Let us start in God's word this morning to Titus chapter 1. Titus 1. We read the word of the Lord, Paul, a servant of God, an apostle of Jesus Christ, according to the faith of God's elect, and the acknowledging of the truth which is after godliness, in hope of eternal life which God, that cannot lie, promised before the world began, but hath in due times manifested his word through preaching, which is committed unto me according to the commandment of God our Savior. To Titus, mine own son, after the common faith, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, our Savior. For this cause left I thee in Crete, that thou shouldst set in order the things that are wanting, and ordain elders in every city as I had appointed thee. If any be blameless, the husband of one wife, having faithful children not accused of riot or unruly. For a bishop must be blameless as the steward of God, not self-willed, not soon angry, not given to wine, no striker, not given to filthy lucre, but a lover of hospitality, a lover of good men, sober, just, holy, temperate holding fast the faithful word as he hath been taught, that he may be able by sound doctrine both to exhort and to convince the gainsayers. There are many unruly and vain talkers and deceivers, especially they of the circumcision, whose mouths must be stopped, who subvert whole houses, teaching things which they ought not for filthy lucre's sake. One of themselves, even a prophet of their own, said, The Cretans are always liars, evil beasts, slow bellies. This witness is true. Therefore rebuke them sharply, that they may be sound in the faith, not giving heed to Jewish fables and commandments of men that turn from the truth. Unto the pure all things are pure, and unto them that are defiled and unbelieving is nothing pure, but even their mind and conscience is defiled. They profess that they know God, but in works they deny Him, being abominable and disobedient, and unto every good work reprobate. As far as we read God's holy and inspired word, may God bless the reading of His holy scriptures unto our hearts. The text that we consider for the sermon this morning is verses 9 through 11, focusing especially on verse 9, which we read now, holding fast the faithful word as he hath been taught, that he may be able by sound doctrine both to exhort and to convince the gainsayers. Beloved congregation in the Lord Jesus Christ, it is evident that the Apostle Paul had a deep affection and care for Titus. Titus was a younger man serving in the ministry. 
The Apostle Paul was advanced and seasoned in the ministry. The Apostle Paul, with the knowledge of some of the difficulties that Titus was experiencing in his labors, wrote this book, this letter, unto Titus. And in the first chapter, the exhortation that he gave to Titus was that Titus should set in order the things that are wanting. Evidently, there were things that were lacking among the saints in Crete. And so it was the duty then of Titus to set those things in order. But the Apostle Paul understood that Titus would not have the ability, the strength of himself to be able to set in order all of those things that were wanting, but that it was beyond what it would be possible for one man to bear up under himself. And so the Apostle Paul, with love for Titus, as well as with a love for the very people of God, exhorted Titus, ordain elders. Set in order the things that are wanting, and here's how. Ordain elders in every city. And then after exhorting him to ordain these elders, goes on then to give the qualifications of the office bearers. Blameless, the husband of one wife, not self-willed, not soon angry, not given to wine, not a striker, he doesn't get in fights, not given to filthy lucre, not a lover of money, but a lover of hospitality, a lover of good men, sober, just, holy, temperate, holding fast the faithful word. Let's consider then this one qualification, holding fast the faithful word. Holding fast the word, first the duty Second, the purpose that he may be able by sound doctrine to exhort and convince. And then third, we'll consider the manner in which the office bearer is to hold fast the word. The duty that God gives to the elder is he is to hold fast the faithful word. The word that is spoken of here in this text is not a word, among many other words. The word that is spoken of here in this text is not put in the plural. The elder is not to hold fast to many words, but the elder is to hold fast one word, and that word is Christ. The word, you understand, is God's speech. The word is the revelation of the invisible, the almighty, the uncreated, the I am that I am, who is without beginning of days and without ending of days. The word is the revelation of this transcendent God. 
as He condescends to this earth and speaks to dust creatures. The Word calls to mind the covenant. For the covenant is that relationship that God has established with us. People who are in a relationship, a loving relationship, speak one to another. One does not hide from others. One does not refuse to speak to those whom he or she loves. But one opens himself up to others and speaks words. God, as the covenant God, does not consider himself to be beyond speaking to us. But God reveals Himself unto us by the Word. This Word, according to the text, is faithful. Holding fast the faithful Word. Part of the faithfulness of this Word of God is this, that it accomplishes the purpose that God has ordained for the Word. The Word is effective. You think of a soldier, and the soldier has been given a particular station, a post that is his, and it's his duty to guard that post. We say that the faithful soldier is the one who carries out the mission that is given unto him, whereas the unfaithful soldier is the one who abandons that post and does not carry out the work. Well, so it is, beloved, with the Word of God. God has a purpose in giving unto us His Word. The Word of God goes forth, and it is the power of salvation. The Word gives life unto His people. His Word is a light which teaches us the way in which we are to go. And this Word of God is faithful. It accomplishes the purpose that God has ordained. It does not return unto Him void. But then as well, this word is the faithful word because this is the word that endures from one generation to the next generation. And that's remarkable that the word of God endures and never has to change. The Holy Scriptures do not have to adapt unto the present generation. But the word of God endures throughout all the millennia of this earth. It's hard for us even to fathom how how wise the Word is, that the Word does apply to the needs of every generation. Just had Christmas not that long ago. We hardly get finished opening our Christmas presents, and already one is thinking about the next thing that he wants to get. But the Word of God is faithful. It is never replaced. It is never not contemporary for the people of God. Now it's with regard to this faithful Word that the admonition in this text is hold fast. You see that it's put here 
in a form that states, this already is what the office bearers are doing. Holding fast. And then the reminder comes to them, as you carry out the work, continue holding fast the faithful word. To hold fast means to grab a hold of something, to clutch onto it with all of your strength, to grab it so tightly that you refuse to let go of it. It could be illustrated with what children do as children grab a hold of their favorite toy. They grab that toy. That toy is important to them. They become possessive and defensive about that toy. And if another sibling comes along to try to snatch that toy out of their hands, the child grabs onto that toy with all the more strength and all the more conviction. And yet now here in the Word of God, the the command is not to hold fast to that which is trivial, but the command is to hold fast to that which is the faithful and the living Word of God. Hold fast to it in such a way that one becomes defensive and possessive of this word of God. Hold fast unto it in such a way that if somebody else comes along, such as the devil or any adversary of the church of Jesus Christ, that you will not quickly hand that over. But even as the child becomes all the more convicted that this is mine and you're not going to take it away from me, so the child of God, with respect to the word, hold fast. How do we hold fast the word of God? You can't hold it fast if you don't read it. It starts with reading the word of God. One author suggests that Many in contemporary America are becoming illiterate. Not illiterate, that you cannot read, but illiterate, they will not read. They have the ability to, but choose not to. Hold fast to the Word of God by reading the Word of God. How so? By meditation. By spending time with the Word of God. Seeking to understand the meaning of the text and the application of that text to your life. Read, meditate, pray. Pray for the Holy Spirit who inspired the Holy Scriptures to so work in your heart that He would give unto you discernment and understanding of truth. Pray that the Holy Spirit would give unto you humility to receive the authority, the instruction of this faithful Word. Read, meditate, pray. But one might object and say, how am I supposed to find the time 
to be able to do this. That, that's going to take time for me regularly to read the Word and then to meditate over it and pray over the Word of God. And already my plate is full. I have so many responsibilities in the home, in the workplace, serving the church, serving the school. And now as well, this added responsibility is going to be given to my life of holding fast the word, how will I ever find the time to be able to do this? How important is the word to you? Do you love this word above all else? Do you believe that this word is the revelation of God himself? It means that one might have to be selective in what one chooses to do. If you're holding fast to the word, grabbing a hold of that word and not letting go of it, then it means that your hands might have to let go of some other things in your life. Perhaps a matter of personal interest, a hobby, entertainment. I have to let go in order to hold fast to the Word. Whose duty is it to hold fast the Word? Generally, it's the duty of every child of God. It's your duty, young children. It's your duty, teenagers, young adults. As God calls you, and sets you in the office of all believer, you are able to read and understand the Word of God and hold fast to that Word in school and at home. But specifically, the application of this text is to elders, office bearers. Verse 5, For this cause... Left I thee in Crete, that thou shouldest set in order the things that are wanting, and ordain elders in every city. The form of installation in speaking about the duties of elders says in page 106, the elders are in duty bound diligently to search the word of God and continually be meditating on the mysteries of faith. For what purpose does the text teach that we are to hold fast the Word? It lists two purposes in the second half of the verse, that he may be able by sound doctrine both to exhort and to convince the gainsayers. We begin with that second purpose to convince the gainsayers. Gainsayers is not a word that we commonly use in modern English. Gainsayers means contradictors, those who con- are contradictory. What is it that gainsayers contradict? Most fundamentally, what they contradict is the word of God. There is a refusal to submit unto the authority of that word as it were applies unto their lives. 
or they hold to a teaching, a doctrine that contradicts what is found in the Holy Scriptures. They contradict the Word of God. When the elders come and bring the Word of God to them, they contradict the elders. They contradict the admonishments that are brought unto them by the members of the congregation. And they show at last that they are contradictors of Jesus Christ, who is the Word. They are adversaries of Christ. They are found within the church institute. The Apostle Paul is not speaking here of gainsayers who are outside of the church institute. To be sure, they are found there. There are those who contradict the Holy Scriptures who want nothing to do with the authority of the Word of God. But the Apostle Paul makes clear that he's talking about those within the church. And he makes that clear in the 10th verse. For there are many unruly and vain talkers and deceivers, especially they of the circumcision, especially those who belong to the instituted church. And regrettably, these gainsayers, these contradictors who are found in the church institute, seek to go around and spread their evil influence. They are not content, content simply to be contradictors of the Word of God privately, but they seek to go around and spread their evil positions. Verse 11, who subvert whole houses, teaching things which they ought not for filthy lucre's sake. They invite you into their home, and in their home they talk. They give just their side of the story. They don't give a balanced perspective. They give just their side of the story. They portray themselves perhaps as martyrs for the cause. And they seek to influence others, subverting, turning upside down whole houses. Their mouths must be stopped. How are they stopped? By the elders carrying out their work of convincing the gainsayers. That word convincing means to refute. Elders must recognize that there are troublemakers who are found in the church, and then the elder must refute with the word of God, the sinful teachings and actions of the gainsayer. Always the elder must keep in mind, though, what is required of him according to this text. It is not the duty of the elder to drive away the gainsayer. It is not the duty of the elder to use the word of God as a whip over the gainsayer but it is the duty of the elder to convince by the power of the Holy Spirit 
the gainsayer of his or her sinful deeds. The goal is conviction. That there would be conviction of heart, sorrow for the sin which has been committed, repentance, forgiveness, and reconciliation with the body. The form of installation again, quote, to admonish, speaking of the duties of the elders, to admonish those who behave themselves disorderly and to prevent as much as possible the sacraments from being profaned, also to act according to Christian discipline against the impenitent and to receive the penitent again into the bosom of the church. So on the one hand, the duty of the elder is convince the gainsayers. But on the other hand, the duty that is given unto the elders in this text, the purpose for which he holds fast the word, is to exhort. Exhort. This word exhort means literally to come alongside of someone, to listen, to understand, and to comfort the individual. Always there is found within the church of Christ those who are hurting. The apostle speaks of that which is lacking, that which is wanting, And some of that which is wanting in the church is comfort from the Word of God. There are members who are lonely, who are distressed, members who are fearful, who are anxious or apprehensive about the future. And it is then the duty of the elders to exhort, that is, come alongside of those who are hurting and comfort them with the Word of God. The office bearer must have sensitivity then to the needs and the cries of the people of God. The office bearer must be willing to listen and to hear what is hurting or wanting in this individual's life. Exhort them by pointing them unto Jesus Christ, who is the author and the finisher of their faith. Exhort them by leading in your own example, by regularly attending the worship services. Exhort them by calling them to come unto the house of God, where the Good Shepherd speaks unto his people, and the sheep hear his voice, and they know him, for he is the good shepherd. Both the convincing of the gainsayers and, on the other hand, the exhortation, the comfort that is given unto the distressed are done by sound doctrine. That he may be able, by sound doctrine, both to exhort and convince the gainsayers. This is the remarkable power of the Word of God. The Word of God is equally effective 
at both comforting those who are distressed and convicting and convincing those who are contradictors. God gives unto his word double-edged sword power. It has the power to edify, and it has the power to break down. The word of God has the power to soften hard hearts, and it has the power as well to close the door of other hearts. It is able to build up the meek and the lowly, and it is able to bring down the, the proud and the lofty. The Word of God is a savor of life unto life, and it is a savor of death unto death. And the office bearer must always maintain that perspective of the Word of God. As the office bearer goes from home to home, he must not stoop down to use anything besides instead of the Word of God. This is the word that has endured throughout all ages of the earth. This is the revelation of the Almighty and the invisible God unto dust creatures. Now office bearers, use this word to exhort and to convince. The the King James reads that he may be able by sound doctrine. It could also be translated that he may be able in sound doctrine to exhort and convince. And the idea is this, that sound doctrine is, as it were, a home. Four walls built on a solid foundation, a roof over that home, And inside that home, there is protection, there is safety, there is health. The office bearer is to pray. God give him strength to lead the people of God into that home. Sound doctrine. The manner in which the office bearer carries this out is given to us in the second phrase, holding fast the faithful word as he hath been taught. You have been taught, office bearers. You've been taught for many, many years now. You are not novices in the word. You've been taught from your youth the Word of God. You received instruction in the church. You've received instruction through the preaching of the Word, Bible studies, family devotions, personal reflections and meditations upon the Word. As you have been taught, so teach. One does not need as an office bearer, as it were, to reinvent the wheel, to come up with a novel way to exhort and convince, but in the same manner that others have taught you with patience, with humility, with understanding, conviction, 
so are you to bring the word to others as you have been taught. Go forth, office bearers, with the confidence that the God who has called you to office will also give you ability to carry out the work of office, that he may be able by sound doctrine, ability. That's what the office bearer prays for, and that's what the office bearer is confident that God the Holy Spirit will grant unto him, ability. To be able is literally to be powerful. Every office bearer who, with honest reflection of self, looks at his natural abilities, understands, I am not powerful. I do not have of myself the strength to be able to hold fast to this word and then to use that word for both exhorting and for convincing but the office bearer's confidence is in the ability, not of himself, but of the word. How powerful is this word with which you deal? The word in flesh lived some 33 years upon this earth. The word in flesh performed miracles, healed the sick, restored eyesight to the blind, raised the dead to life again. The Word in flesh laid down His life at Calvary, was raised again from the third day by the glory of the Father's power, has been exalted to the right hand of God Most High, and now pours out upon His church the Holy Spirit. May God through His Son, Jesus Christ, grant unto you the assurance of His nearness. Amen. Let us pray. Our Father and our God in heaven, we thank Thee for Thy Word. We thank Thee for keeping us in Thy care. We thank Thee for leading us in paths of righteousness. Thou forgive graciously our sins. Equip, we plead of Thee, the men whom Thou hast called to serve in this church. For Jesus' sake we pray this. Amen.